Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds, leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button, like your Brandon Davies. You got consent. Don't forget why you're here. To also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel if you haven't done that already. Let's get into it. We decided to get together on this Saturday night in part because Saturday was loaded with compelling matchups and also because um, only one ranked team plays Sunday and it's frankly a team that's probably not going to be ranked on Monday. Plus, ain't no sense in talking about basketball and camel fighting on Super Bowl Sunday. So here we are. Saturday night, we're going to open on what happened inside Rupp Arena just a few hours ago on CBS, America's most watched network, Network of Scars, home of the Super Bowl. Final score, Gonzaga 89, Kentucky 85. It was an upset in Lexington. Gonzaga could not get a quadrant one win against Purdue or UConn on a neutral court or against San Diego State or St. Mary's at home or at Washington. But they got one at Kentucky. Zags woke up Saturday with zero quad one wins. Now they got one. And what Kentucky now has, the three-game losing streak at home for the first time in rough arena history since December 1966 because this predates rough arena. Big yikes. We both said on Friday, Norlander, that Gonzaga needed this game more than Kentucky. I still believe that's true. I think Jerry Palm would say mm-hmm. it's true. But, buddy, I bet John Calipari would argue with us about it right now because I'm sure uh, I'm sure he thinks he really needed this one as he sits at home, presumably uh, dealing with a, another rough stretch in a, what has been a rough few years. Deadleg, I'll turn mm-hmm. it over to you just by asking for your thoughts on yeah. what you saw from Gonzaga inside Rupp today. Uh, well, uh, give a shout out to anyone that's hopping in the chat here on a Saturday night. We appreciate you. And yeah, for anyone that's getting to this Sunday morning, we hope you appreciate getting a pot a little bit earlier. Sunday is pretty low. And if you're uh, scurrying around getting Super Bowl stuff done, we wanted to deliver this to you. So hope you appreciate that. And a little primer. I like the way you always instruct the listeners to be a little more appreciative. No, I, I said, I said, I hope they're appreciative. I'm not demanding. I, I'm, I'm, I'm imploring them. I hope hopefully that's the that's the case in the situation. <laughs> and it's a primer for March when the schedule gets a little bit wonky there. I remember we talked about it on the Friday show? Mm-hmm. You probably don't, right? No idea, right? No, I remember. Well, I got the stats for you. Okay, bring them to remember me. Remember we talked about this game specifically? Yeah. Uh Kentucky, its record when it was shooting, uh, first of all, we, I, we, I set the over 36.5% three-point shooting from Kentucky in this game because it was averaging 41.1 going in and Gonzaga was allowing 31.5. I set it at 36.5. I took the over. You took the under. Ding, ding, ding for you. 
35%. Kentucky hit the under narrowly, but they hit the under. However, Kentucky, when it hit 40% of its threes, was 10 and 1. It was 6 and 5. Then it is now 6 and 6. Did not get to 40%, lost a game, and is now a 500 team when it does not make 40% of its three point shots. And inversely, Gonzaga, which we brought up, was a. Uh, was a team that was 14 and one, and now it is 15 and one. If Gonzaga gets to 54.5% from inside the two point arc, then it wins the game. It shot 56% inside three point range against uh, Kentucky and on the road. A lot of that you saw big time damage from Graham EK late. A uh, couple quick thoughts on me on just the game and the scene and what we got there. Um, I thought it was a wonderfully called, a wonderfully called game by uh, Brad Nessler. Jay Wright, Bill Raftery, they got a good game, a good environment, and you know, we'll get to the the meanings of the results in a second. I just thought it was wonderful for to have, to have a non-conference game in February, be that compelling, and with you know Gonzaga and Kentucky really trading some blows there. Although more of the blows, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the 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 box hey, score right there. Hey, hey YouTube, there we go. Uh, so you can see. Uh, lead changes just five and ties just two. Um, Kentucky made some pushes and there was a fever pitch once or twice in Rupp Arena GP, uh, but Gonzaga really held it held strong. This was the 166th time in a row that Gonzaga had won a game when it was up by 10 or more at halftime. It led by double digits here at Rupp, and lo and behold, it held on. It has not lost a game with 10 or points more in its advantage at the break since a December 2015 loss against Arizona. Big reason for that was the fact that Gonzaga went 18 from 19 from the line. Um, uh, quick thought on the Zags, a little on Kentucky, then it's back to you. I, I thought that Gonzaga getting so much reliable uh, production from EK, who was big. Watson had moments. Ben Gregg had the big uh, steal late on the Ben Shepard pass where it just... It's like he had an idea. It was a decent idea. And then by the time he was on the way down, oh, damn it, I shouldn't be sending this ball. And then Braden Huff, the freshman, like those four had what, 64 points, 66 points. They had 50 paint points for Gonzaga overall. And Rafter even said it on the telecast. Like a lot of this is inexperience versus some veteran play. But then again, like Huff's a new guy. But and it's not like Ben Gregg's been getting huge minutes the past few years. So I don't know if it was all that. Uh, but mighty impressed by Mark Few's team to not get rattled in that moment. Now, as for the Kentucky side and actually how they played this all out, Dillingham barely got on the floor in the second half. Calipari right. said after the game that he was going with what he felt was the right unit. I can't even push back too hard on him for that. But when a loss is the result instead of a win and Dillingham is as capable as anyone, maybe outside of Shepard or just as much as Shepard, who had all of his 21 points in the second half, it does look a little bit suspect there that he wasn't able to uh, to get on the floor and be more of a contributor there. But, you know, Fierro had 15 and he was a big contributor, GP. Antonio Reeves had 17, uh, was 6 of 13 from the field. He did well. We saw what Shepard was able to do there. Um, Bradshaw was a non-factor. Edwards, again, not really a huge factor. Their, their front court got outplayed. Um, so, the, the stuff is trending the way in the wrong direction. You mentioned before, Kentucky, three straight losses at Rupp. Had never happened before Rupp was built in the 70s. They hadn't lost three straight at home since 1966. Um, so you can speak to the trends there. But in terms of the actual gameplay and how it played out, uh, I, I tend to give just a little bit more in Gonzaga's column than deflecting from Kentucky because I thought Gonzaga would get overtaken here. And it, and it didn't. It just seemed to have enough. Hickman made good plays in a tight spot on the road. EK fouled out with 43 seconds to go. That did not doom Gonzaga. Impressive 
first quad one went Gonzaga still has so much more work to do but to step into that environment. Uh, Rupp Arena was so starving for a meaningful win. And instead, uh, they take yet another L. Uh, fascinating, compelling game as far as I'm concerned. Why we're starting the show with the GP, just the, the most meaningful result and the, and the best watch of the day. A lot of stuff here. I mean, a lot of stuff to get to. I do want to talk about the Dillingham thing. I get it, I guess. Except what I don't get is not playing your best players. I, I don't understand not playing your best players. I mean, this guy's a projected top five pick by some people, and he's just over there on your bench. 18 minutes in the game, and only four in the – or, yeah, four minutes in the second half. Took zero shots in the second half. Six points in 18 minutes. That's the, that's, that's the Dillingham stat line. I just don't think Rob Dillingham should ever be playing 18 minutes in a basketball game. Like, Period. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you got Kentucky fans just screaming along in in, in agreement. But listening. keep in mind, keep in mind, this is the same dude, and I say this respectfully. He's a Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer. John Calipari is better at what he does than most people are at what they do. But this is the same dude who played Devin Booker 19 minutes in a Final Four game against Wisconsin. You know, Bo Ryan. By the way, he had three pros on that team too, and they played 37 minutes, 37 minutes, and 34 minutes. And Devin Booker played 19. And now today, Rob Dillingham plays 18. I just don't understand. You know what Rob Dillingham is going to be? You ready for this? Prediction. He's going to be... Devin Booker? (laughs) He's going to be the next Kentucky guard who gets into the NBA and and he scores 35 one night. And you're like, man, this guy's an amazing NBA scorer. I wonder why he didn't do that consistently at Kentucky. And it will likely be because they didn't just let him go. Oh, by the, here's one for you. Yeah, CBS Sports Classic. I went back and looked this up because mm-hmm. Dillingham was good in that one, right? Um, Kyle Tucker from The Athletic covers Kentucky uh, very well. Um, this is what he tweeted after the game as like, you know, the preview of his column. These, these are Kyle Tucker's words. John Calipari let his wildly entertaining young guard rock. That's Dillingham. Kentucky's star freshman delivered on the big stage and Rob Dillingham dapped up John Wall in game. Calipari's second act starting to look a lot like his first and it sure is fun. That was December 16th. It sure was fun because he was letting Rob Dillingham cook and they had just beat North Carolina on a neutral court. Less than two months later, he's not letting his entertaining young guard rock. Dillingham, uh, again, only played four minutes in the second half against Gonzaga took zero shots and now Kentucky's two and four and it's past six. I just think that's a mistake. And I know that somebody on that staff will say GP, but man, we, we, he just doesn't guard anybody. Okay. Well, no, you don't guard anybody. And, and by the way, this is not a rationalization coaches use to not play elite level scores at any other level of basketball. Do you know how many awesome scores there are in the NBA who guard nobody? Yeah. I mean, they guard nobody. John Morant guards nobody. All right. And you, you remember a few years ago when, when the Grizzlies were good without John Morant, it'd be like, John Morant's out. And the Grizzlies have a better record without John Morant than with him. You know what that was? Because John Morant would go out, Tyus Jones would come in, and the defense would go from average to elite. So even without John Morant, you would have had an elite defense and you could still win games. But you know what happened the second John Morant was healthy? They said, okay, we're going to be bad defensively again, but we're going to have that guy on the court. That is the way NBA coaches approach elite level scores and shot creators and shot makers who maybe can't do well on the defensive end of the court. And so often in college basketball, I see coaches so hesitant to just, as Cal Tucker tweeted, 
back in December, let their young guys rock. Just let them go. And maybe they're going to get more than they give up, probably. I just, I'll die saying Rob Dillingham should never just play 18 minutes in a college basketball game. Don't, don't die. Don't die for that cause. Don't die for that. <laughs> no, 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 you know no. No, it's time. No, it's, it's time. not. I got to stand for something. I got to stand for something. You this is not what it needs to be. This is not, this, this will not be what you die for. No. You will not die for this man. Just, to, just to, let me stop here for a second. Just yeah. push back or or don't. But what no, do you make of that? With the, I would, I would play. Listen, I would play him more. To me, Reeves, Shepard, some sort of combat. No, no, Trey Mitchell on the floor. I want to at least mention that he didn't play in the game. Wagner returned, uh, but he logged thirteen minutes. He's just coming back, so he wasn't even an impact. But I would get uh, Reed, Shepard. Uh, you'd get Dillingham. You'd get Antonio Reeves. Uh, man, Thierro gives me some real sparks that I like a lot. And then maybe try and rotate whatever big man's in there. Like um, uh, Avisic had 11 minutes and a couple decent spots there. Again, like, are they too deep? Does Cal really know what kind of pieces where to use when? Oh, so I'm not, it's not a huge pushback from me. Um, they no, did, I, I, I they got, got back into it without needing him. And maybe if he's on the floor, uh, it's, it's tough for me to call, but I, I don't disagree with the point on the whole. You give me that 2015 team and let me just um, take three people, snap their ACLs, and get them off the roster, and you and you have a national, you have a perfect 40 and 0 national championship. Similarly, let me get rid of about three guys off this roster, and you'd be better off for it. I do think that's part of it. I think he has too many talented guys. It's, it's a good problem to have, but maybe it's not. not a good you ready? To have. Not too many great players, but too many talented guys. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, okay. Uh, what else you got? Um, so on the game, you know, Graham EK was terrific. 10 of 17 from the field, 23 points. He only played 24 minutes, but that's because he fouled out. <laughs> okay. Um, if Mark Few could have played him 30, he probably would have, but he fouled out. Um, Gonzaga shot 47% from the field. And this three-game losing streak for Kentucky now at home, which, as we've noted, is historic. I mean, think about this. These are These are college basketball games. They give up 94 to Florida, 103 to Tennessee, and 89 to Gonzaga. Tennessee right now is at Texas A&M getting blown out. The game will go final before we're done. We'll address it. But, you know, with five minutes left, Tennessee's got 57 points at A&M. They scored 103 <laughs> at Rupp. College hoops, baby. I know. So now Kentucky um, is, if you want the, you know, the resume stuff, Two and five in quadrant one, three and one in quadrant two. So five and six in the first two quadrants. Also with a quadrant three loss to Wilmington. A lot of these games are losses when they're missing people. DJ Wagner, Trey Mitchell. Like, you know, that, that's part of it. In, we, you know, it's only fair to point that stuff out. But, you know, what's also fair is UConn's missed people too. And it hasn't ever mattered to them. Simply put, like I've said now for a while, Kentucky should not have been ranked last Monday in the AP poll. They should not be ranked this Monday in the AP poll. That's not happening. But we'll see what AP voters do. No, they're Sometimes not going to be ranked. Right. They're done. <laughs> I mean, they're they should be. But like, you know, I, I said this. Uh, you ready for this? I said this as recently as Friday, and Kentucky fans are just blowing up my mentions. Hadn't heard from one tonight. Not one. Is oh. the internet. This is a wild night. That's, that's bordering state to Indiana. So. This is an amazing night for at Gary Parish CBS. <laughs> Because I ain't heard a word from a Kentucky fan. I ain't heard a word from an Indiana fan. Internet out in those bordering states. It's a big night for at Gary Parrish CBS on Twitter. Okay. Okay. 
You got any thought on the Gazaga real quick before no. we get to the rest of a busy no, Saturday? You got nothing on the Zags? No, of course I do. Okay. Um, so I mentioned EK. He was terrific. I did like, did you notice it? And this might be like little inside basketball or baseball or basketball stuff, given this is the sport. But did you notice this was unusual at the end of the game? Ben Gregg's at the line after Reed Shepard throws that. Pass. And I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a wrong pass. He just, you got to throw it up. Let your guy go get it. I agree. It was, uh, mm. and, and I, I feel you, like you want it back. Yeah. I mean, he threw it. Like I could have caught it. I, I could have just, re- I could have caught no, that you ball. Could not. Just so we're I clear. I no, that, that thing sails at least a foot and a half over your out street stretch. Little <laughs> hand you you got no it. shot. You got no shot to catch that. Okay. But here's the point. You got to make sure I've got no shot to catch it. I'm watching that. And whether I really have a shot or not, I think I got a shot to catch that. He just, it was, it was awful. Um, so anyway, foul on Ben Gregg. There's like five seconds left or whatever. And he's at the other end, uh, two shots, two point lead. He misses the first. And then you know what happened next? Mark Few calls a timeout. You almost, that, that's called icing your own free throw shooter. Yep. You, you almost never see that. And he called the timeout and then Ben knocks down the three, the, the, the free throw three-point game. Now we're in a foul-up three situation. They do foul-up three, like near half court. Um, I think Antonio Reese makes the first uh, maybe or whatever, but he tries misses the second on purpose. Doesn't happen. Game over, whatever. But I thought it was interesting that Mark Few decided in that moment to call that timeout. Because you Correct me if I'm wrong. You don't see that too often, do you? Uh, it's not overly common. Uh, Raph, the reason, I thought, the reason I thought about it, and it's funny because the guy on the other bench was John Calipari. John Calipari has said that he wishes he would have done this to Darius Washington when Darius Washington missed those famous free throws. He said after he missed the second one, and it's down now we're down to one more shot. Make it, we're going to overtime, miss it, and we're going to the NIT. Make it, we're, um, yeah, make it, we're going to overtime, miss it, we're going to the NIT. Uh, Conference USA Championship game on a Saturday morning FedEx Forum. John said he wishes he would have called the timeout. That way he could have calmed Darius down because he looked at and he saw and he said he's nervous. He says, he, he, I need to call the, I need to get him over here. But he said, you just don't ice your own free throw shooter. So I didn't do it. But he said, I, in the hindsight, I wish I would have because I, in best case scenario, I calm him down. He makes the free throw. We go to overtime. Worst case scenario, he misses it. And then guess what? It's on me. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have called the timeout. I made him think about it too much. That's on me. So you either go to overtime or you take responsibility as opposed to that young freshman you know, crumbled at the free throw line in tears. And it was just interesting watching John Calipari be on the other side of that today when Mark Few did exactly what John said he wished he would have done all those years ago. We got a lot to get to, but the poll question in the YouTube chat is, where do you think Kentucky season will end? There was some chatter about, hey, if they don't get their act together, missing the tournament is now the question. We ain't going there. They're not going to miss the tournament. Not going there. However, the options were Elite Eight or better. That's the last place at 8%. Sweet 16 is second to last at 17%. First round is 21% leading the poll overwhelmingly. Kentucky will be a one win and out getting done in the second round of the tournament. Uh, that's the feeling as tonight. 57% in the poll. Is uh is your answer there? Kentucky remains a melodrama, and it's got to get things turned around. We'll get to its game coming up next at the end of the show when we preview uh, the next few days. One last thing, then we'll move on. Zags fans, um, for what it's worth, Jerry Palm has weighed in on this. He says Gonzaga's at-large candidacy remains alive, but, you know, enjoy it, celebrate. But Jerry Palm says still barely. You mm-hmm. still probably got to go win at St. Mary's 
to get you another Quadrant One win. So this is a great night for that program uh, in its attempt to make a 25th straight NCAA tournament. Um, but they're still on the outside looking in right now. Kentucky is, you know, as we talk about this, it's like, woohoo, Gonzaga. Oh, Kentucky. Well, Kentucky's still on the inside. Yeah. And, and, and Gonzaga's still on the outside. But we'll see what happens over the coming weeks. Dead leg, let's bounce around the rest of the country next. Try to touch on anything else that seems notable. But before we do it, let's get a word from our partners. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. All right, Norlander, take us around the rest of the country and tell us about the other notable notable developments from the weekend. And if you don't mind, can we start Kansas 64, Baylor 61? Because that's a big result in the Big 12. Jayhawks didn't have Kevin McCullough, who is arguably their best player this season, won it anyway. So future Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer Scott Drew is now 1-16 all-time at Allen Fieldhouse. And that's not meant as a joke. That's meant to uh, highlight just how incredible Allen Fieldhouse is. You can lose 15 out of 16 times there and still be a Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer. That's what Scott Drew is going to do. Yeah, and Baylor, mm, mm, mm. yeah, almost got this one. It was 62-57 with 3.59 to go. Dewan Harris went out with an ankle, which in the moment seemed like it might be taking him out the rest of the game. Now he got back in. He had a floater with about 90 seconds to go that made it 64-59. And that wound up being a crucial uh, bucket because it was the winning margin. Kansas won 64-61. And Baylor had... Uh, Kansas missed some uh, some freebies and missed some shots down that stretch there where Baylor ran a, a, a nice action to get Jade Nunn uh, wide open. Wide open. Although it's Nick Timberlake and Billis... And, Good job by Billis because, you know, frankly, uh, a color guy in that moment should be calling out what's happening. He's like, Nick Timberlake doesn't. He, I'm paraphrasing Billis did not say this. He's like, Nick Tim, Timberlake is lost, should be nowhere near. <laughs> he is he's going help defender. Uh, but that doesn't go in. And then Jacoby Walter gets a look like they didn't foul up three. He gets a clean look top of the key as time expires. They don't hit it. Kansas is 30 and one in its last 31 Big 12 home affairs. Uh, meantime, Baylor fans, I know you th- know this, but uh, to everyone else that has not keyed in on this, seven of ten, uh, seven of the ten Big 12 games Baylor's played this season have been decided by six points or fewer, and all of their losses, all four of them, have been four points or fewer by margin there. Um, it was a hell of an effort from Baylor considering they tied a season high with 21 turnovers. Like, you get 21 turnovers in that building, and you've got the ball in your hands with a chance to send it to overtime. Almost never happens in that building there. Um, good job out of, uh, out of Juan Harris uh, and and KJ Adams had a good game. Uh, McCullough had said on game day earlier in the in the day that he didn't think he was going to play, and when he said that, I almost wondered if it was gamesmanship uh, because the way he said, it, I was like, that sounds like he thinks he's not going to play. But I was like, would he really go on national television and tell Baylor, you know, six hours before they tip this game that he's not going to play? Well, that wound up being the case there, and uh, without him. Uh, they had to rely on Timberlake a little bit more. And he had actually some good moments there late. It was a little, a little suspect there, but um, KU gets the win. And, you know, it. Uh, I don't know where it'll be in the polls. Frankly, I don't care. I mean, they lost at K state. They went at home against Baylor. If they move, they don't, whatever. Um, that's just a nice home win. Creates a little bit of separation. in The big 12 standings there. Baylor was hoping to steal one. It couldn't quite do it. Any quick thoughts from you on what happened in Allen Fieldhouse? I, mean, I just go back to, 
I mean, you've got Jaden Nunn with about like what nine seconds to go, wide open and three. And I mean, this dude is a forty-one percent three-point shooter, career thirty-nine percent three-point shooter, and that's that's like I'd love to see what what his numbers are on. And I should have looked this up, but you know, uncontested threes because that's what this was. It was largely an uncontested three. You live with that every day. He just missed it. And you saw his teammates go to him, and they're like, you know, hey, we'll live with that. Hey, if we if we had to do it again, we'd take that shot again. He just missed it. And, and you know, that's the type of thing that happens in Allen Fieldhouse. It's hard to win there, and um, we were reminded throughout the day, and we'll get to some – it's just hard to win on the road. <laughs> like, we'll get to it later. There'll be an example to cite. But um, even good teams, when they go on the road, it's just – it's it's all over the place. Yeah. It's it, it it it's easy to get caught. Specifically in the Big Twelve, just two games to note. Houston almost got caught, and then it didn't get caught. It won at Cincinnati, got it done. Um, I thought Cincinnati would have been in the field temporarily if it had gotten a win there. It did not. It has lost ten in a row, I believe, now to Houston. Cincinnati has, and it is uh, one in twenty three, I believe, in its last twenty four games against top five teams. Uh, the Bearcats are. Tough one. They've like Baylor. They've actually lost a ton of close ones there. Credit to Houston for getting it done, uh, eking out a win. If you're Cincinnati, like those kind of games, you have them. That might be the difference. Might be, might be the difference between getting into the tournament and being in the IIT. Uh, credit to Iowa State though, seventy-one fifty-nine. Not a road win, home win. Uh, if you have to lose at home, I believe uh, they smothered TCU. GP. Mm. Uh, Iowa State's eighteen and five now, uh, sitting atop the Big Twelve table with three losses uh, at seven and three, uh, tied atop the table. But um, you know what? I think Iowa State's like knocking on the door of two seed material right now. Parrish. They 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 were they were being in some circles of the internet, some corners of the internet, yeah. but also circles, circles and corners. Here we go. There's a lot of circles, a lot of corners on the internet, yeah. and porn, a lot of porn. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. But Saturday night, not Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, if I tell a lie, point it out. Okay. Um, <laughs> they, people were calling Iowa State com- possible computer trickers. Oh, the, uh, early the, well, early in the season, early in the season. Yeah. Yeah. Early in the season, it was like, I don't know who have they really beaten. Well, now they, they beat just about everybody they, they play. And they're tied at the loss column atop the Big 12 standings with Houston. Houston's eight and three. Iowa State's seven and three. Kansas is seven and four. And then Baylor, Texas Tech are both six and four. But um, yeah, let me see where I had them in the top 25 this morning. And I had them at 11th. <laughs> In the top 25 this morning, they'll be in the top 10 tomorrow morning. I got to send this. This is unrelated. I'm just getting every time a damn coach runs on the floor, I get tagged and I'm sending <laughs> to you this nada. When we get to Tennessee A&M, uh, this is outrageous from Buzz. I don't, I was, I I was gonna say, it has, I'm just seeing it. If it has to be Buzz or Rick, it's so clearly Buzz. <laughs> oh, it's Buzz. Nada. I'm sending this to you for when we talk about this is outrageous. All right. When we get there later in the show, because the, the damn game's not even over yet. Thank God we didn't wait for this thing to, to wrap up because I've got HQ later. That's incredible. Okay, keep it going. Michigan State uh, gets a home with GP. You are you are insurmountable. Okay, I am getting roasted in the final four and one. I had Illinois covering. And you know what? Damn well, Illinois looked like it should have been covering. But credit to uh, credit to MSU coming off 
a season-low 56 points against Minnesota and a loss. They dropped 90 at Breslin. Breslin looked just a tremendous environment. Fans came uh, big time. I thought it was just a melt from Illinois, though. It really was. I mean, no field goals in like the final six-plus minutes. Outscored 26-12 down the stretch. Credit to Hogard. He had 23. Had really one of the best games of the season so far for him. 22 for Malik Hall. Also had one of his best games of the season. Tyson Walker with 19. I happen to believe that Michigan State can be at its most dangerous when they don't need Walker to carry them. He has done that a lot. Uh, but I thought that was on display here. And Michigan State won with rebounding, transition attack, got 34 foul shots. Uh, when you looked up at the end of the game, it just it, the, the reasons were evident in addition to just Illinois suddenly um, zombifying itself and not being able to hit a shot. Uh, big time win for Michigan State. Few and Izzo went into the weekend being on the outside looking in. I would argue Few is still on the outside looking in. I actually think this temporarily for now actually jumps Michigan State into that Dayton-esque territory. Quick thoughts on what Sparty did to the Illini. Well, I mean, you said it. Illinois was up 72-64 with 6.33 left. And Tom Izzo's sitting over on the bench like this. Right? <laughs> he didn't. He looked like Izzo. What do you want from me? <laughs> and from there, it was Michigan State 24-8 the rest of the way. 16-point swing. That's how you go from down 8 to up 8 in the final 6.32. Illinois had four turnovers in the final 4.30. Um, Justin Harmon and, and Marcus Damask had back-to-back turnovers in the final two minutes. Michigan State scored after both of those and then never trailed again. So, um, listen, I, you know, I, I predicted last week, I think Michigan State's still going to get to the NCAA tournament. This is obviously a good result for that. Um, I've had Illinois a little lower in the top 25 and one than where they've been in the AP poll. And, oh, buddy, I bet you can assume uh, what their mentions look like after that. But the truth is, I think the resume is just a little not there with Illinois. I think they're good, but, and obviously Brad Underwood's terrific, but they're three and five in quadrant one, four and oh in quadrant two. So seven and five in the first two quadrants with a quadrant three loss. So that, that, that that's top 25 and one good. Mm-hmm. I'll have them in there on Sunday morning, but it's not really top 15 good. They're elite offensively. They're good enough defensively. Four of the six losses are the top 20 Ken Palm teams. That's good. But you ready for this? Tell me the best team Illinois has beaten all season. I'll let you decide. Are you going to read it off to me? Well, I can tell you they have three quadrant one wins, and I can give you those if you want them. I'm going to look at it right now real quick. Florida Atlantic is one of them. Michigan State's another. And Ohio State's another. Those are the three quadrant one wins they have. Ohio State, Michigan State, and Florida Atlantic. None of those teams. The best be- win objectively of that is FAU on a neutral. That's the best win of that right now. That means even if you think, even if you take Michigan State against FAU on a neutral tomorrow, if you like, you know, think that they would beat FAU, and that's fine. I wouldn't necessarily push back on that. Um, MSU rates better in predictives. Um, the best win of that is is FAU. So that's, is, is, that's so a keen they observation. They yeah. have no wins over a team that'll likely be ranked in the AP poll on Monday because I'm assuming Florida Atlantic is going to fall out after another right um, loss. So I think they're good, but they ain't beat anybody too good. And they've got that quadrant three loss, and they're only two games above 500 in the first two quadrants. I, I, I just, I think the AP poll has been a little high on them based on resume. And, um, you know, the resume is worse now than it was a few hours ago. 
I've got some more Big Ten thoughts, but uh, but I'll save that for a second because I, I promised Washington State would get love on the show if it won at Oregon, and that's exactly what it did on Saturday afternoon. 62-56 in the woods. Uh, Washington State, GP, um, I presume they are going to be cozily tucked in your rankings on Sunday morning because here's what they've done. Eight and one in the past nine games. Uh, they are now in the 6-7 six, seed six, territory. If you've been focused on your team, your conference, haven't been, I, no fault. By all means, that's why you come listen to the pod. Folks, Washington State is easily in the tournament right now. Easy. Easily. Eight and five in the top two quadrants, four and three in Q1. It's got a nine and four Pac-12 record. And yes, we are doing the show in advance of Arizona at Colorado. So that result will impact whether or not Washington State has Let me take a- responsibility for that. Uh, Norlander wanted to wait. And I said, there's no chance I'm waiting. He did. So if you're if 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 Arizona loses, great news for you. Paris is going to do a podcast in like two hours. So no, the Paris is going to be watching YouTube at his desk with a big Mets cup in about two hours. Fair (laughs) enough. (laughs) I don't need to know any more than that. Anyway, the point is this: Um, if you're listening on Sunday and Arizona has lost at Colorado, um, it will impact where Washington State stands in terms of whether it has a uh, a share atop the ledger in the in the Pac-12. Regardless. Kyle Smith is is putting this team. He's awesome. He's doing a great job. He's awesome. He's doing a wonderful job. They Miles Rice and Jalen Wells, and I watched a lot of this game earlier today. Um, they they're a tournament team, man. Like they play in a weak league. I get that, and there's no guarantee. They're not a lock. I'm just telling you. I feel like it's highly probable Wazoo is going to the tournament. And guess what? They have not been there since 08 when Tony Bennett was there. Okay, it's uh, it's a really, really cool college hoop story. We'll give it more attention, provided that they continue to win. But I didn't want to just toss them in an oh, by the way, score near the end of the show. I wanted to at least give them uh, a shine here because you went on the road. You got it done. And the next two are against the Bay Area schools at home should be wins for Washington State to cushion that resume even more. Um, that's great stuff from uh, from the Cougs there. I believe I'm going to get them in the top 25 and one on Sunday morning. Um, the, 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 they're right there. I mean, I was looking at it before New Mexico lost to UNLV, but New Mexico just lost to UNLV at home. That that might drop them out of the top 25 and one. Again, I got to look at it. Don't hold me to anything. But Washington State now has a resume that is very top 25 and one worthy. Four and three in quadrant one, four and two in quadrant two, eight and five in the first two quadrants. They do have a quadrant three loss to Santa Clara at home. That was back in December. But eight and five in the first two, three games above, well, I just gave you Illinois, and I told you Illinois was two games above 500 in mm-hmm. the first two quadrants. Washington State's now three with more quadrant one wins. Washington State's better than Illinois. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I love this. I love everything about this. I'm glad you wanted to focus on it. Um, it's a five-game winning streak. They're now 9-4 and four in the Pac-12. We mentioned that Arizona game. If Arizona were to lose, um, you know, Arizona's 9-3 and three right now playing at Colorado. But if Arizona loses, you know what that means? Nine and four, and we got to tie atop the Pac-12 standings. There we go. I know. Um, and I and I listen. I'm, I've been terrible in my picks. I think Arizona's losing at Colorado. I think Colorado's after this. After long after, if you're listening to the pod, could be could, could be way off. Okay. I think Colorado's winning that game, man. And I think they got a big, big moment ahead of them. Uh, I'm geared up to watch that because that's a, that's a tremendous matchup. Yeah. So this is a post live show edit. Um, I'm an idiot. Arizona has won this game easily, and uh, let's get back to the show. Okay. So this is what I love about these types of moments. 
and it's why I'm a big believer that rankings matter. I get really frustrated when people say they don't because rankings provide um, a reason for people to look at you. And when they look at you, they might see some stuff. A little bit like this. You ever um, you ever known somebody, maybe you worked with them or you went to school with whatever, they're your neighbor and you kind of know them, you know they exist, but you don't talk, you ain't never asked them about anything. You ain't never really looked at them because ain't no reason to. But then for whatever reason, you're like, hey, so where'd you grow up? So what's going on with you? How many kids you got? What you will find out about just about anybody is that if you take the time to take an interest in them, there's some interesting stuff there. Like everybody's got a story. And so, um, you know, I've been doing radio in Seattle weekly during college basketball season for years now with Ian Furness, who um, does radio and television in Seattle. And he's a Washington State grad. And he is always like he just loves. I mean, he loves Washington State, loves them. Right. And everyone like when I go on in Seattle, we're talking about mostly Gonzaga and Pac-12. And every once in a while, he'll be like, and you know, my Cougs are what. And I'm and I'm, I'm as politely as I can say. It, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's not really on our radar. <laughs> that's that's not really the time. I don't even got the Pac-12 network. Uh, it's not really on our radar. But now they're on our radar, undeniably. Like I've been texting with Ian all night. He's fired up. He's trying to drag his wife to L.A. to go to UCLA game. He's fired up. All right. And so you start looking at it, right? All right. Like, how is this happening? What's going on? First and foremost, it's Kyle. He's great. He's really good. Um, like, cause what we know about Washington state is you better be Tony Bennett. If you want to get him to the NCAA tournament or Kelvin Sampson or, or Kel- George Rav or George Raveling, we the only better be like a hall of fame level guy. That's <laughs> like, what it takes. Exactly. Crazy. That's what it takes. Yeah. All right. So here's Kyle Smith. So he deserves the biggest, um, amount of credit. He he's the one doing this. Um, but you know, how he's doing it. He built this team overnight in, in some ways, not in all ways. Uh, top three scores are all playing for the Cougars for the first time. Isaac Jones is the leading scorer. He's a transfer from Idaho. The second leading scorer, and this is the one that's interesting, Miles Rice. Do you know the Miles Rice story? I do. do. Yeah. Okay. I was mostly unfamiliar with it. So he's from Georgia and ended up at Washington State. I'd like to hear that story. (laughs) You know, how's that happen? Um, He played grassroots for the Atlanta Celtics, graduated high school in 2021, and then redshirted. And then he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and r- took a medical redshirt last season as he was like quite literally doing chemo treatments. Yep. And he had his last chemo treatment March of 2023. And now you ready for this? I know he's like a third year freshman, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's been at a high. This is his third year at high school. If he'd have just played in college like a normal person, he'd be a junior. But he's technically a freshman, and he's one of the most productive freshmen in the country. He's averaging uh, more than 15 points per game. He got 21 at Oregon, and then the third leading scorer beyond him is Jalen Wells, who transferred from Sonoma State. So something I've said consistently for the past couple of years. This is the latest example. I don't care who you are, and I don't care where you are. If you have, if you're good and you have the resources, you can build a team in the portal. There is a good team in the portal waiting for you every year. You can have nothing and turn it into a good, like literally zero players, and turn it into a good team if you know what you're doing and you have the resources to do it. Lamont Paris has done it at South Carolina, and now Cal Smith has clearly done it at Washington State too. 
Ray points out in the chat. Um, this is incredible. Uh, Kyle Smith is in his 14th season. Previous 13, he has never coached in the NCAA tournament. As a, I don't as a believe coach. that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> there we go. Know, let's, gotta, just say, let's just say we don't believe that. I, I, well, I'm, I'm going to choose to believe it. And I, I just got updated in Slack. Apparently, this is why I love doing a Saturday show. Stanford is apparently up 40 to 14 on USC right now. What in the damn hell? Um, let's keep it going. Go to the SEC. It's gone final. I think the game took more than two and a half hours. <laughs> Texas, I'm not joking either. Texas A&M won 85-69. That's another top 10 team losing on the road to an unranked opponent. And uh, I guess the game first, and we'll show that we'll, for anyone watching uh, in live time or, uh, or after the fact, we'll show this buzz, <laughs> this buzz clip. But um, this is why I picked this game. This result is why I picked A&M to win the damn league in the preseason. Now I'm way off on that. A&M is now fighting uh, a big win for a bubble team. That's that's a huge, huge Q1 win for them, obviously. Tennessee uh, having what I think. I mean, I watched most of it till we hopped on the show. I mean, maybe outside of the Carolina game, I guess it's worst defensive performance of the year. Um, you know, Kentucky got some points in the, on the road as well. But I don't know. This was... Uh, this was an oddity. Dalton connected 22 there. Uh, Radford went for, for 27 in this game, and uh, it was an impressive win from, uh, from A&M. Um, not a, yeah, he's got, the, he's got the box score up here if you're watching. Just 37% from the field for the Vols. Um, this, is, this is probably, we waited to get to it this deep into the show because it, went, uh, it finished so late. This is probably the second noisiest result of the day. When you consider what Tennessee is, it's ranking and the fact that this was not even close. Yeah, they, uh, they were down. They were they getting killed the whole time. It was it was a nothing burger from the start, and just a we like Paris, just a weird one. Real quick, one more for me, and then take it away, and then we'll show the video. It's just like it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the end of the world. Nothing like that. But like, if you want to believe that Tennessee is going to have Final Four credentials, I just don't want to see games like this. I understand a loss. If you told me it was. 81-77, I get it. I just this was a weird stinker from Tennessee that I did I didn't think they'd have on the on the ledger the rest of the way. Again, this is the point I was trying to make earlier is that I don't think I let me put it this way. I do think that it is meaningful that so many top 10 teams are losing to unranked teams on the road. Cuz Texas A&M is the exactly like the other unranked teams on the road we've talked about. Mm-hmm. They're not ranked but they're good and they can, they'll get you. And I, I think I've actually like, I've run all, not run, but I've like looked at it from every angle I can think of to look at it, to try to find some sensible explanation for why this is happening at a historically unprecedented level. And, and this being top 10 teams losing on the road to unranked teams, you uh, highlighted it and put it on all of our radars in the court report a few weeks ago. I think where I'm settling at on a, Okay, GP, why? Like, pretend you're in a radio interview and somebody says, I saw Norlander's court report. This is happening at an unprecedented level. Why? I, I think this would be my simple answer. You tell me what you think of it. The top 10 teams outside of UConn, Purdue, and maybe Houston are all suspect. Like, they're, like somebody's got to be fourth, but, like, it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. All right. So you got four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten that are good teams, but they can go lose at West Virginia. That's what Kansas did. All right. And then I think the unranked teams that are still good. So let's call them teams that aren't ranked, but are projected to make the NCAA tournament. The gap between the team ranked seventh in the country and that team ain't that big anymore. And when you get to go to their place, good luck. I think that's what's happening. 
I think there's a lot to, uh, I think there's a lot to that, but let's get to more serious matters. Not a show this video. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be on screen or not if it's still what it is. I, apparently someone in the chat said they, they referenced the court report. This is Buzz Williams running onto the floor to call a timeout. Not to bring it up. If you haven't. <laughs> Okay. I mean, that's okay. outrageous. Okay. I, I love Buzz. I love Buzz. Audience, that, that, you can't do that. For the podcast audience, you have to, if you have not found Buzz Williams looks like he is someone who was kidnapped, has been escaped, and is seeing a car drive down the middle of the road and is begging for someone to come pick him up. That was <laughs> the most outrageous. It's like Buzz Williams was with somebody who got <laughs> shot at midcourt, and he's out there like... Get an ambulance over here. What are we doing? Get an ambulance what over here. There's doing? a gunshot wound. Uh, I know Tom Hart was on the call. He's a podcast listener. Tom, if you gave it a shout, I genuinely appreciate if you name uh, naming the, the story uh, reporting. My name. But that is like, uh, I guess maybe technically it was a dead ball in the situation. Dude is on the middle. <laughs> he's in the circle. It's like he is more, he is more in position to jump ball than he is to coach. <laughs> That is incredible. Congrats on the win, Buzz Williams. You can't, you can't be doing that. Like, actually, and like behind the scenes, uh, Buzz Williams is known as one of the biggest violators of the thing that we've been talking about and that I wrote it. Like, he is one of the worst. And for him to run out on the floor, like, he looks like a dude. Uh, just incredible. It just someone's got from the logo in the chat. That's hilarious and accurate. Real quick, we got to keep it moving here. I got HQ. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I love that we got to keep it moving when you got something to do. Keep it moving. <laughs> I, I actually, I texted, You're like, oh, they, GP, how long does it take to get a FedEx form? 30 minutes. Okay, cool. I'll give you 31. Stop. I'll give hey, you 31. Hey, don't start with me when I'm ready to get the show going at the top of the hour and you're the one that gets it rolling at three after. Okay, I don't even start. I know it's always me. Don't because, because I'm always going to be three minutes late and I'm always going to tell an unnecessary story right in the middle. Correct. This is your doing, but they know, did bump the HQ back, hit back five minutes. So we got a little more time. Um, uh, Auburn getting absolutely roasted at Florida. I did not have on my bingo card, but, uh, but if you watch the game or if you're an Auburn fan or a Florida fan, you're aware of this. Um, it was 28 years to the day. The last time Auburn won at the O-Dome. I got to be honest. I don't even know if the O-Dome existed 28 years ago. 15 straight losses since 96 for the Auburn Tigers there. Gators now have a little bit of breathing room on the bubble. Um, that was a no-show by Auburn after their chesty win over Bama and then elsewhere in the SEC. Um, it, Carolina beat Vandy, whatever, 75-60, but they've won seven straight in the SEC for the first time since 96, and Colin Murray Boyles has made the beautiful transition Ooh. from British TV star to going for a career-high 31, and uh, his previous high was 17, so he has been um, just, a, it's been a major, major, major upgrade. I'll run down the results, and then you uh, and you take it where, uh, where you you need to here. Um, St. John's Marquette uh, Johnny's. They had a 15 point lead. They blew it. Um, it was a good push. It's not enough. Johnny's are on the outside looking in six and seven in the big East. Actually not. If you have this play it real quick, uh, Marquette uh, Kolick, he had 27 points, 13 assists, seven rebounds. And then after the game, he had this to say in the press conference. And I wonder if GP knows what this is. Uh, what Kolek describes. So now to go ahead and play that. If we have it. <laughs> the beauty. Nada. Wow. Well, 
He says, I don't have it. Okay, never mind. Well, that's good. That's good. All right, forget it. We're going to keep moving here. Yeah, maybe try to, hey, maybe try I to, sent hey, it. hey, there's, maybe there's a reason I usually guide this thing. Mm, let's keep it simpler. Famous let's last it, words. Let's keep it a little simpler. Barbecue chicken. Anyway, uh, anything else in the Big East? Not really, I guess. Providence Butler, I mean, Butler won. <laughs> Providence's Corey Floyd tried to throw it down and posterize on the last possession and got mauled and there was no foul call on Butler one. Uh, congrats on Butler getting the win. Yeah, and I, believe- I don't have any thoughts on the Big East other than um, Tyler. I mean, yeah, I have t- I thoughts on Tyler Kolick. He was awesome. Um, 11 to 17, 27 points, 13 assists, seven rebounds. Oh, let me ask you this. Yeah, go ahead. This is going to be one of those things where I'm, 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 I'm detouring into a thing we didn't need to, but it's just I, I actually want your opinion. I had to submit an NBA mock draft a couple days ago. I have Tyler Kolick in the first round. Is Tyler yeah. Kolick an NBA point guard? I think so. I asked. I remember asking this to scouts. Uh, yeah, was it two years ago? Maybe a year. Maybe it was last year. Was it last year? Maybe. And uh, remember them being like, "No chance." Not like just like, "Will he? Will he be drafted?" Not necessarily first round. And two different scouts said, "No shot." Yeah, yeah. You know who else they said that about? Fred VanVleet. Yeah, there but are he's, point I mean, guards that come through college, and they do. They, you ready for this? They win. They win awards. They control games. They're awesome. And you say, "Yeah, but he ain't big enough, fast enough, athletic enough, quick enough," and you don't take him. And that's how Fred VanVleet goes undrafted and becomes an All Star. It's also how Jalen Brunson goes in the second round. Yeah, and then becomes what he is now, the king of New York. I, I'm not predicting Tyler Kolick's going to be any of those things. I'm just saying. People overlook Jalen Brunson because they focused too much on what he, they thought he couldn't do and just ignored what he did, which is win two national championships and a national player of the year. Fred Fleet led Wichita State to an undefeated regular season, to a Final Four, uh, Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year. Shot it. The whole thing. It was right there in front of you. There ain't nothing to Fred Fleet's done in the NBA that he didn't do at Wichita State, and people just could not look at it. Because it was like, yeah, but he's little and he's not an athlete. I just think Tyler Kolick's the next one of those. You're going to look up and go, man, if we have just focused on what he was, which is tough, and he's a shot maker, and he's a brilliant in pick and rolls, and he can really pass it. The three-point percentages are where you want him to be. He's not, you know, my size. He's, he's you know, he's not a six seven point guard, but he's got good enough size. I just think that people are going to overlook that guy. I, wherever he's picked, and I might be wrong. I'm, everybody's like, it's not that I'm wrong about NBA prospects. Everybody, literally everybody is wrong about NBA prospects, including the men running NBA franchises. Every one of them are wrong. All right. Mm-hmm. I would, if I think they're going to be wrong on Tyler Cullen, I think you're going to look up at wherever he's picked, he'll outperform it. Big 10. Uh, Zach, he hit a three pointer. And, and let me say one more thing about the uh, uh, big East. Uh, then we'll move on. All right. Go ahead. I just want to say this because I don't want to gloss over it. Okay. UConn's awesome. I don't think UConn should be ranked number one in the AP poll, but UConn is terrific. 12 in a row. Longest winning streak in the country. The last loss was before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the reigning champs. They're ranked number one in the AP poll. They have the longest winning streak in the country. Um, sounds like I'm quoting no escalators here. I don't mean to. But like, I don't ever want my, I think Purdue should be number one in the country to be twisted into, I don't think UConn is awesome or worthy. UConn is terrific. And I, I, you know, 
I know it was just a win at Georgetown, but they just dominated them. It just, just embarrassed them. And that's what they're doing to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, they got the UConn love there because uh, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a nothing burger in terms of Georgetown. Uh, if not UConn, then Purdue, Purdue, one easily. Uh, that's another L for me in the final four and one. Zach Eady hit a three pointer. The chat was going nuts on that. Uh, Mackie Arena was going nuts because it was the first of his career. <laughs> so, congrats to Zach Eady for having drained a three. Um, uh, that's, uh, that's tremendous stuff. Purdue's going to be ranked in the top five for the 31st straight week when the poll refreshes Monday. That is the longest active streak in Division One. Um, elsewhere, Wisconsin. I don't know which one. Feel free to chime chime in the Ooh. chat. Which which loss do you think is is the most uh, grosses you out the most? Wisconsin seventy eight fifty six against Rutgers. That's a road loss. Tennessee eighty five sixty nine at Texas A and M or Auburn getting boat raced at Florida. I'm wondering uh, for the chat. Not if you even want to put that poll up, you can. I, I'm uh, not worried about it. Um, I'm not worried about Auburn. I talked to Bruce after the Alabama win. He didn't say this, but boy, I picked up on it. He seemed to be like, oh, man, this is going to be tough. Like, how do we get up after just beating our – we scored 54, five points, 55 points in the first half against our in-state rival. We're tied for first in the SEC, and now we got to go to Florida. Florida's not ranked, but exact same thing. Not ranked, but good enough to beat you. Florida's the classic not ranked, but projected NCAA tournament team, and now you got to go play them on the rub. I don't think he – Bruce thought he was going to get smacked around like that. But I could tell he was really worried about this one. I'm not worried about Auburn. You ready for this? Right now, South Carolina and Alabama are tied for first in the SEC standings. And South Carolina, you know what they got next? Wednesday at Auburn. It's a good I bet one. You, I would assume it's a great one. I would assume Auburn bounces back. And when we wake up on Thursday, Alabama's alone atop the uh, SEC standings. The one that concerns me of those ones you mentioned, because Tennessee's the same thing. Tennessee went on the road. They're good. They're they're clearly good. Tennessee's clearly good. Don't Connect is clearly amazing. They went on the road. They played an NCAA tournament team that wasn't ranked, and they lost. I'm not really concerned about that. I mean, it would have been awesome if they were competitive, but that doesn't bother me. I'll move them because you have to move them, I guess, but that doesn't bother me. Not concerned about Tennessee. Um, Not concerned about Auburn, but Wisconsin. Losing to Rutgers is different than losing – at AM or losing at Florida. And the more pressing thing is that that's four in a row. I, I, I was bragging earlier about being the guy who didn't have Kentucky ranked last week. And now look at me. Well, I'm also the guy who had Wisconsin in the top five, like recently. And a lot of people were saying, well, yo, man, what are you doing? The body of work has still been good, but they're not playing well anymore. They've now lost four straight. Now, if you want some good, three of the four losses or yeah, three of the four losses are on the road, and the fourth is at home to Purdue. So, like, all right, this might be schedule-induced as much as anything else. But three of the four losses are also to unranked teams, and that's not great. Two weeks ago, and this will, I think, illustrate it for you, Wisconsin was 10-4 and four in the first two quadrants with six quadrant one wins and only one loss outside of quadrant one. Now they're 10-8 and eight in the first two quadrants, and they got three losses outside of quadrant one. They've gone from ninth at Ken Palm to 18th at Ken Palm. They're headed the wrong direction. I won't get them completely out of the top 25 and one, but they're they're way closer to the bottom than they are the top, and that wasn't true, you know, recently. 
expect some good regression to the mean for Wisconsin. It's 13 of 59. That's 22% from three-point range in his past three games. That's going to improve. Um, but in addition to the issues it's had, the three-point shooting and being just atrocious is bad. Uh, that is a four-game swoon. Uh, we have the full uh, chart of what these terms mean. I'm going to save that for the Wednesday show because we're now up against it. But that is coming on Wednesday. One one loss through seven straight losses. I'll have it for you. Um, keep it moving here. Uh, Clemson wins at Syracuse 77-68. They're 16-7. and seven. Tigers will play in the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying they're a lock. I'm projecting they're going to do it. It'll be the fourth time under Brad Brownell, who in the process of doing so will save his job. Uh, they first made one in 2011. This will be number four. Joe Girard made a homecoming because uh, he was a former Syracuse player. He hit 2,000 points for his career in this game. Not in one game. That would be a record. Uh, shouts to Kenny Maine for the reference. And uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a good win for him. Also in the ACC, got frisky late. Carolina, third ranked, 75. At Miami, 72. Uh, Armando Baycott. He has 58 points and 38 rebounds in his past three games. Stepped up huge. I know, I know that Hubert Davis has been asking him to be this kind of impactful player. He moved into number three on the all-time Carolina scoring list past Sam Perkins, now behind Hansbro and Phil Ford. He will catch Ford soon enough. Psycho T's record is safe, though. He's not going to get that. Uh, he also passed him Duncan for number three, all-time in ACC rebounding. And somber note here for the pod. This was the 156th game Armando Baycott played in. In doing so, he passed none other than Leaky Black for most games all-time and a Carolina uniform. So that now belongs to Armando Baycott. Nevertheless, shout out to Leaky Black. Just a couple more results here. Um, from Friday night, uh, VCU 49, Dayton 47, Dayton 18th in the polls. Uh, Rams getting a, get a nice home win. <laughs> it was not a pretty game, but whatever, man. They got the win. It was in the 40s. That's what I said, 49-47. Not I mean, pretty. Play a game in the 40s when you have Deron Holmes. That shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Interesting what's shaping up in the A10, and I know it's off most people's radar, but like Dayton, as of Saturday morning, because I wrote about this in the top 25 one, they were like 50 something spots better than anybody else in the net in the A10. They're so clearly the class of the league. Mm-hmm. They're in second place. They're like so far ahead of everybody else in all of the metrics, but they're trailing Richmond in the A10. That's that's league play for you. That's right. Richmond is now the one seed. Spiders with Chris Mooney getting it done. That's a good job. And I see the chat. I know. Don't worry. I got you. Just want to give a quick shout out um, to a, a few mid-major teams. Also, uh, Nevada got a win at home over San Diego State on Friday night. No T. Back-to-back rank wins for the first time in program history. That's right. Nevada until Friday had never won two straight games over ranked programs. Uh, I'd say Nevada's an 11 seed at worst. Six-bid Mountain West is very much a thing. Mid-major wins on Saturday of note. Drake won at Bradley. That is a key development for a two-bid Missouri Drake's had a big week. Huge week. Although I, I don't know. I don't know if you saw how Drake went viral earlier in the week. I didn't. I know, that I know that he's picking the Chiefs, but we'll save that Ooh, for the next That ain't episode. it. Okay. That ain't I, it. I, I honestly don't know, and I don't need to know. We're up against it. Drake, Bradley, App State, 109-104 and double OT in the classic Sunbelt Mac Challenge. This is a shout to Chip Patterson, who also alerted to me this earlier in the day, and this is the pod, co-host of the, of the Cover 3 podcast. I love you, Chip. Uh, we'll see you back on this show, obviously, in March as usual. App State is 20-5 and five atop the Sunbelt. It's its best Sunbelt start ever. Uh, best start in league play, period, since 99-2000. 
And uh, App State three and one versus Quad one and Quad two. If they really like mess around here and like don't lose until the Sun Belt title game, we might uh, might have a situation there. And then Yale Cornell, uh, Yale came back from a big deficit. It was the first time since '03 the Ivy League had two teams six and zero or better meeting this late into the season. Um, Cornell has not won at Yale in eleven years. Couldn't get it done here. Eli seven and zero in league play, sixteen six overall. Whether it's Yale, Princeton, or Cornell, whoever comes out of the Ivy League. That league will produce a champ that'll probably be on the 12-13 line and be a trendy Cinderella pick. Those are uh, those are three legit uh, legit teams in the Ivy League. So I wanted to give some mid-major love before we uh, head to, head on to the last segment here. That Drake thing was wild, buddy. Don't, don't we might need a word from our partners? Yeah, give us one, please. Hey, yeah. Before we look ahead to the next few nights, let's look ahead to Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. I don't know if you heard. I have. It's the Super Bowl. It is. It's in Las Vegas. Yeah, it is. Taylor Swift's going to be there. It appears. Uh, I believe like thousands upon thousands of people were were watching her flight data in real time as it flew across. You know what I, I think she's landed. By? I keep seeing tweets from media outlets, and I know the game. You're just trying to get clicks. I get it, but it's like. Will Taylor Swift make it to the Super Bowl? <laughs> she said, I think she's we on the ground. We decided this shit like two weeks ago. It's a 13-hour flight. She'll be back in the state. She's already back in the United States tonight. She's already here. She and, and yet, yeah. as recently as this afternoon, it was like, tweet, is Taylor Swift going to make it to the Super Bowl? Buddy, we've already, we've already talked about this. What are you doing? Okay. Let's pick the game as we always do. I think this line has moved, by the way. You said it was one and a half. I'm pretty sure on Friday it was San Francisco minus two and a half. Well, yeah, that would suggest that it's moved. Okay. Over under 47 and a half. I got your MVP odds in order as well, by the way. Mahomes plus 150, Purdy plus 210, McCaffrey plus 450, Kelsey plus 1400, and then Debo and Pacheco each plus 2500. So let's go reverse. Who are you taking to win the Super Bowl MVP? Patrick Mahomes. So that tells you he's going to pick Chiefs to win. Um, I will also say Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Not uh, not proud of it, but I'm just trying to give you the most accurate projection of what I think is going to happen there. So we both got the Chiefs winning. All right, let me tell you why I think we're wrong. Okay. And and, and this is the thing. I only I I just I'm not a good gambler because I I root with my heart. I I I gamble on things I want to happen, mm-hmm. and nothing I ever want in life happens. Nothing. So. I, so it's 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 a very disappointing existence. Not true. It's a very disappointing existence. All right. So here's my issue. Everybody thinks Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable, and everybody thinks Brock Purdy's not. The 49ers have struggled in the playoffs. The Chiefs have gone to Buffalo and won, Baltimore and won. Every time I turn on TV, it's like, who's this Jay Wright thinks going to win the Super Bowl? He's like, I'll take Patrick Mahomes. Everybody take it, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs. And the betting markets seem to be saying, keep bringing us your Kansas City money. We appreciate it. Yeah. Every person in the world keeps saying, I can't believe Patrick Mahomes is an underdog. It's like getting Michael Jordan as an underdog. And the betting markets are like, yeah, keep it coming. You realize they could have made Patrick Mahomes a one-point favorite if they wanted to. They decide that they it's algorithms and then they can adjust it however they want. But <laughs> but they keep begging all of us idiots to take Kansas City because we love Taylor Swift, because we love Travis Kelsey, because we think Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan. And I just that's not I a good sign. I think Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Here's the thing I'm still going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put everything I own on the 49ers. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think that's allowed. So I'm clearly not going to do that. 
I don't, I'm clearly not going to do that, but if I were allowed to do it, I, I might. So you got, uh, you got Casey plus 1.5. Yeah, I think so. I do as well, but I will say this is, uh, I, uh, sometimes like I've got, you know, I'd like to see this team win more than this team. This one, I don't care. San Francisco wins, Casey wins. Oh, I, like, I'm no, fine I, with both of them. To be honest, I, like, but sometimes, I, like, if it was the Lions versus the Chiefs, I would like to see the Lions win, even though I'm a Bears fan, whatever. I, I would be rooting for the Lions to win here. I just, uh, does not matter to me one iota whether the Niners win or the Chiefs win. I'm good with that. I want to see Taylor Swift on the field at the Super Bowl just so I can watch a bunch of nerds get mad about it. <laughs> Why is Taylor Swift ruining football? That's what I want. I want Taylor Swift to ruin football just by being present and supporting her boyfriend. This poor woman is just supporting her boyfriend. That's all she's doing. She's not. It's a poor woman. Let's be clear on that. Oh, yeah. She's a rich woman. <laughs> she is. This woman, this amazingly accomplished woman is merely supporting her boyfriend. That's all she like. If you if you cut it down to right at its core, what is Taylor Swift really up to? Oh, she's a CIA agent. These are what these idiots are telling you. Oh, she's going to uh, sway the elect. You know what she's really doing? She's just supporting the guy she is having premarital sex with. That's all, all right. she's doing. There, there it is. I knew we were heading there. That's all she's doing. And I love it. And I want to see her celebrate on the field. Go Chiefs. All right. Go Chiefs. You need a tomahawk chop right now? I will. No, definitely don't need that. Over under is 47 and a half for the total. I will go over. Uh, let's give a score and I'll give my score first. Now I note it. The Super Bowl is always added to the final four and one tally. Um, I will go Chiefs 30, Niners 20. I'm going to go Chiefs 27. Don't say 27, 24. It's like the most boring, predictable score you could ever ask other than 24, 20. What's, what's the most ridiculous score you could ever ask for? <laughs> 64 to 2. 64 to 2, then. That's what I'll do. Chiefs 64, Niners 2. You asked. I gave you an answer. Okay. Well, then fine. I'm down. 64 to 2. Chiefs. Right, last Super Bowl question, and then we'll do the, the games to watch, and then I got to go hop on HQ. Um, uh, what's the what's the watching situation? Anyone coming over? Just just fam? What, what are we doing here? No, we have a couple of friends coming over. Small. Like small. Oh. I apologize to anybody who didn't get an invitation, but really, you have to, to get an invitation to my house for Super Bowl, you have to have kids that are around my kids' age, and you have to be friends with my wife. Because okay. she's in charge. Because <laughs> so, I have nothing to do with it. I'm too busy ranking basketball teams. So she, I, I say, hey, what are we doing? And she says, oh, yeah, so-and-so and so-and-so is coming over. I said, awesome. Sounds fun. So we'll, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I, I, like, I'm looking for, like, you ready for this? Yeah. So as we get done with this, I'm going to do the top 25 of one. I'm going to send that to Marcus Nelson. Mm -hmm. And then I, I don't, and then tomorrow, yeah, I have nothing to do. And I know that sounds like, like a normal thing, but there are never days where I have nothing to do. Never. Aren't you happy we did the podcast on a Saturday night? I wasn't all day long. I was hating this all day long. I am glad we did it on a Saturday night as we're wrapping it up. But all day long, I was like, I can't believe we're doing this tonight. And, and now look at you. Now look at I'll us. Look at who would have thought? Not me. Actually, Not me. me. I knew you'd be happy about this. What are we looking forward to? On Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Well, you, Sunday, like let's just not even worry about FAU that. FAU at Wichita State, and we got like Nova Seton Hall. Now let's go to Monday. Yeah, yeah. This Sunday's what it is. Monday, Wake Forest at Duke. That's actually pretty good. Wake Forest. Hunter Salas had a huge day. That is a tremendous matchup. Uh, uh, Wake Forest. Steve Forbes, noisy one. If uh, if I can't promise it, but if Wake Forest wins at Duke, that might be the. Uh, even two days later to lead the show on Wednesday kind of deal right there, if they can do it. Yeah, they've won three straight. Um, 
Forbes. He's got you ready for this? You want his next two? At Duke, at Virginia. And you just fun. know you know when he saw that schedule. Oh, I know. You know what he did. You know oh, what he said. I, I I know what he did. But that that's uh um that's a big one. And you mentioned Hunter Salas. Please just tell me to shut up if we're really up against Shut up, it. we gotta keep going. I, I have to be on HQ. I'll, I'll be quick. Sa- save it, save it for if they win. They're not gonna win. <laughs> okay. okay, so stop. Stop for a second. Um if you ever go on TV and say that transfers are just running from adversity. I want you to then look at Hunter Salas. He was at Gonzaga for two years and it just didn't happen. He's been unlocked at Wake Forest. Sometimes you're not running from adversity. You're running towards success for a better situation. Obviously, Gonzaga's fine. You saw what they did today. But Hunter Salas, like I promise you somebody watched him run from Gonzaga and said, oh, he's running from this is everything that's wrong with the transfer portal. And now he's leading a possible NCAA tournament team and playing at an extremely high level. That should be applauded, not not uh, criticized. What else we got? Let me look. Kansas at Texas Tech. That's pretty good. We'll see if Kansas can avoid what happened a week ago. Win at home on Saturday, lose on the road on a Monday night. We'll see. See if Kevin McCullers is available. See if he's available. Wait on that as well. Texas Tuesday, Tech won on Saturday. We got a triple header on uh, CBS Sports Network. I'll be in studio all night. There we go. Looking forward to getting back. Sure, my family is too. St. John's at Providence on CBS Sports Network. Colorado State at San Diego State on CBS Sports Network. New Mexico at Nevada on CBS Sports Network. That's three good games. It's a great Tuesday night slate on CBS Sports That's Network. a really good triple header. Beyond that, on other places. St. John's Providence, man. That's an urgent game. All right. Really go good. Marquette at Butler. Carolina at Syracuse. Iowa State at Cincinnati. Be careful there. That's exactly the t- Iowa State's about to move in the top 10. Be careful. It would be understandable if they got picked off by the Bearcats, though. Top 10 team on the road against the unranked team. You might as well just mark it as a loss right now. It's obvious. I, my apologies in advance to TJ, but like, you know, that you're up against it. Yeah. Pitt at Virginia. How'd that sneak in there? What? Pitt at Virginia. I don't know. It's like, okay, keep going. I mean, I just, I like, I don't know. It sounded, it sounded good. <laughs> Keep going. It sounded good. Ohio State at Wisconsin. Hey, Ohio State got to win. How'd that sneak in there? Ohio State at Wisconsin. They're like in 13th place in the league. But Wisconsin needs a win bad. <laughs> and that's that's true. They need to they need to avoid going from a swoon to a. Hey, you can pick the games next time. You will find out what uh, what comes after a swoon. If what's five in a row, you'll find out on the Wednesday show. By the way, what Oklahoma else? Oklahoma at Baylor. Is that okay? Uh, Oklahoma narrowly dodged a home loss against Oklahoma State. Uh, but keep an eye. That's that's certainly possible. And you ready for this one? I am. Ole Miss at Kentucky. What if Chris Beer goes into Rupp Arena? I I know. Do we have to like do we have to start with Kentucky if it loses? Like, do we have to start another show with a Kentucky loss? I almost feel like we shouldn't out of respect for our audience, like not, not to wear them down. Like St. John's Providence. <laughs> I'll, I'll go on the winner of that CBS Sports Network. In all seriousness, Ole Miss winning at Kentucky would be the biggest story in the sport on Tuesday night because Kentucky would have lost four straight games at home in a row for the first it, time. It would genuinely would be. It would. I know. Yeah, it would be the biggest story. Yeah, I agree with you. There is nothing I could say about Kentucky on Wednesday morning that I didn't say about Kentucky tonight. Like you know, we'll address the game no matter what. But it would be the noisiest story, and maybe misses the lead or something like that. But uh, but yeah, should we genuinely try and uh, avoid same team, same topic, two shows in a row? But we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that breaks down there. Um, Is that everything we need to know? I think I feel like it. 
All right. Before you, at the very least, it's everything I know. All right. You're going to pick pick the album I have behind me on HQ. Hold on. I can't see. Oh, okay. (laughs) I just mean, I just meant like generally speaking, I can't see. You can't see. All right. You pick it. I got Incubus. All right. Make yourself. It's a random collection. Okay. Didn't Buddy kill himself? Huh? No. Incubus didn't kill himself? No. Unless I'm really not. Jethro Tug, Aqualung. No. Out? Yeah. Stop. Hall and Oates, Abandoned Luncheonette. I like Hall and Oates, but they fight too much. Get them out. They don't even talk to each other anymore. I got one more. I got Jimi Hendrix, Valleys of Neptune, Deep Cut. I like Jimi Hendrix. All right, Jimi Hendrix it is. There we go. I'm about yeah, you to know add. what I heard? Yeah, to this, um, my, I, I, I'm I, not I, even kidding. You have one minute, and then I'm leaving the show, and you're doing the shouts by yourself. So go ahead. I have to be on television. My, my, my little son had a baseball practice this morning, indoor facility, and they had music playing in there. And uh, Led Zeppelin came on. It's sort of from the same Jimi Hendrix era type thing. Yes, they were of the same music era. That's correct. It sounded yeah. good. Yeah, I haven't listened to Zeppelin in a long time, but it sounded I was good. Play, I was I was playing uh, some Zeppelin on the drums. You know what the song came on? Bring it on home. Bring it on home. Bring it on home. You remember that? Can you name the album? Baby, love some other man too. Um, I feel like that. I feel like that's a trick question. Was that not on an album? Correct. Live cut. Oh no, I think it might have been. On, it might have been on two as well. I think it's been on two. I think it's on two, but it was more known for its live cut. Uh, I gotta go put yeah, on a shirt. I gotta go too. Well, you have to do the shout. So I'm literally closing out. Thank you everyone for joining on a Saturday night. GP's gonna do the shouts without me. This is rare, but I have to go. Love you, buddy. Talk to you later. I might just do. I might just do another forty minutes. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry Mefantigo. He's a legend. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin. If you're not subscribed to the Iron College Basketball Podcast, please, please, please do that. Spotify and Apple. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. And we will talk to you again on uh, Wednesday morning. Till then. Take care.